It's Lewis Crathen here with another podcast episode of Inside the World of Duotone. This time we're getting tech with you. We have got Aaron Hadlow, one of the most experienced kite designers that we have. We're going to be looking at and talking about all these rumors in gear tuning from how to pump your kite, kite pressure, line stretching and shrinking, what a low V does, all sorts of things. Aaron, thanks for joining us here for this special interview. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, thanks for having us on. And yeah, looking forward to diving into some of this. So like I just mentioned, we're going to get really tech today. Now, let's just get on with things from the beginning. You know, what's your background in kite design and testing kites? Well, yeah, I've just been testing kites since I was very young. Um, so I basically joined a British company called Flexifoil. When I was first up and coming, Grom, um, they basically launched their first ever inflatable kite um back when yeah i was just kind of growing with the sport and that was in yeah around 2001 2002 so from an early stage i got to see how yeah the kite felt and how the designs changed and and then a few years later as i started to develop on the world tour and win world championships we yeah, did a lot of um, testing together to give me the equipment that I could use to push forward and push on and, yeah, you know, collaborate the kite design with my riding to win all those world championships. Um, later on, uh, I got to make my own series of kites and, yeah, products, basically. So a lot of board knowledge, but a lot of kite knowledge um really dove down into how the kites were uh, made from the factory all the way through to printing designs um and yeah unfortunately as time went on the company wasn't sustainable and i was at a point where um yeah i just suddenly uh found myself struggling to um have straight kites and the equipment that I really wanted. And really this, the thing that's most important to me is having the correct and best, most crisp kites. And that's when I bumped into Ralph um, on the beach. He was testing a new Vegas design. Who's um, Ralph? Sorry to interrupt Ralph. Who? Let's give him a bit of an intro. Yeah. So Ralph Grosel, I think if you listen to the podcast, you, you would have known about him. Uh, he is our lead designer, does the kites for, um, yeah, most all the kites for Duotone almost. So, yeah, the ones that I work on with him is Deuce, uh, Evo, um, Dice. Uh, we did the Vegas and now working on the Rebel as well. So quite a massive range and also with different materials. Um, so anyway, yeah, I bumped into the beach, uh, bumped into him on the beach with this uh, new design i like the look of the shape and he just thought oh, give it a go let's see what you think about it and obviously i was like yeah i can help out came back with some um with some feedback and yeah one thing led to another he was really stoked with the feedback and that got back to headquarters and yeah i was looking for a new sponsor and the collaboration came along and ever since then yeah we've been working on yeah improving the vegas in the early early years whilst i was still competing and now I'm on test trips, you know, um, yeah, in Cape Town every year and then throughout the season in Europe, often monthly to uh, finalise and make all the different 
heights in the different constructions and yeah that's where we're at now thanks for that nice introduction aaron it's nice to hear how you've got onto the team that's been for quite some time now sort of coming up 10 years or more i think is that right yeah so i think it was around 2014 when we really kind of dove in and then officially a year later but yeah definitely coming towards that mark and yeah definitely a few iterations of different kites along the way um but yeah really good collaboration there and it's something that i really enjoy in some ways it's it's tough work and it's you know you're on the beach long days landing launching tying knots but the reward of the overall product and knowing that you can contribute into kites that not only allow me to do what i want to do but also you know all the riders on the team plus you know of course making a commercial kite that is um yeah some of the best selling in the world just quickly i want to get onto the point you just made you you talked about um when you were winning your world championships the importance of having a straight kite what what are you talking about straight kite (laughs) yeah so you know especially when kite surfing was beginning and depending on the factory or you know how the production is implemented kites you know not have defects but they can have like you know not quite in line so you'd often get kites that could be that we call a twisted they turn one way <clears throat> so if you leave it at the at the zenith in the, the top of the window you know it, they they can tend to to turn one way better than the other or just drift to one side often that can be lines that can be tuning but sometimes it can be the kite just a fundamental flaw uh, and that's something that Ralph has been instrumental in. He's not only the designer, but it's the collaboration with him and the factory and the the production line, how it's made to really get high quality control and really, um, yeah, just try and minimize the risk of anything going wrong there. So what I was saying back at that time when I first moved over to Duotone was that I was on kites that I was trying to make in a new factory and give the designs that we had solid kites. But when I moved factory and the production line was different, the kites were coming out all weird and different and twisted and wrong. Mm-hmm. And when I tried this kite from Ralph, I mean, it just didn't have a wrinkle in it. It was perfectly straight. And from then I'm like, okay, kite in with the right equipment is the most important value to me. Like, let's explore this direction. So how important is it to you to have 100% perfectly working gear? Yeah, for me, it's the most important thing. And that's something that it's just, you see a lot of the top riders, they're stretching lines. If what if their kite is out just slightly, they're, they're back to the manufacturer, like, can I flop, swap this out? At the highest level, you just feel every millimeter almost. And when we're making kites, people can't, understand that sometimes because we're we're literally changing one centimeter on a bridle and that's for me and ralph as well when we fly in that kite we're feeling those differences and okay it's not for everyone but we're trying to get it into a really fine window that makes the kite work its best performance so you have the changes when we're designing and tuning the kites but you also have yeah a feeling as a rider that if it's not symmetrical and 
doing both things both ways you can find yourself having to compensate or you know you're just not in tune with your equipment and have the same confidence you would have if everything's yeah just perfect so that's something i personally have always looked for and if a kite is a little bit out i yeah i don't like to have to be fighting that i, I think you could use like if an uh, analogy like if you know your car's at alignment is out and you're always having to fight against the steering wheel to keep the car straight it's just not, not ideal yeah and we're going to get more into that during our conversation today how you as um as a kiteboarder all of you listening that is can maybe check and tune your gear so that you make sure your equipment is working 100 percent. but just to get back to you on that point aaron is that when you launch a kite especially the more you you're into the sport perhaps other professional riders feel the same you just know straight away almost almost before it's got to the top of the window if the kite is is flying symmetrically perfect and like you said when you've got a kite pulling one way slightly or slightly twisted it's it's horrendous you you know the difference that makes in your moves you, you're flying these kites at the top level in different disciplines without really looking at them most of the time so if you can't trust where it is and what's going on you're you're never going to perform well so we're going to jump into these topics now, Aaron, and we're going to start into because this is a this has been a bit of a rumours around some of the top riders and people within the industry, and that's very much the purpose of our of our chat today is to discuss some of these tuning rumours. And um, I want to go straight in with the the pressure of the kite. What what is the correct pressure for for anybody listening here for the, for their for your kite, Aaron, and for their kites? So we go at seven psi off the duotone pump. And that's what we test all the kites at. It's the best compromise between um, durability and structural stability. I often go a little bit slightly over just to compensate for any loss of air when you're, you know, taking the, the tube out or, yeah, if there's any parts that I need to, yeah, just adjust when the kite goes up in the air. So 7 PSI is, is pretty ideal. We recommend that um yeah and also just to make sure that you don't have any slow leaks or slow punches or anything like that because of course once the kite gets too flat then the kite just doesn't perform in the same way and you will see parts of the kite maybe collapse in and it's just not doesn't hold its stability or its structure it's something you can um, see, isn't it? When you're on the water and you look around, and I, I recommend everyone do this that's listening now, have a little look around or maybe when you feel a kite, when you're launching and landing. I mean, I don't uh, have any problems approaching someone and saying, look, I think your kite's a bit softy. You know, you see it on the water and the, especially when the wind picks up, Aaron, you know, you see that tip starting to bend a bit. You know, you're just starting to tell me a little bit about what happens to a kite if it's not pumped well enough. But really, how much does that affect its performance? Yeah, quite massively. And especially if you're uh, a bit of a heavier rider as well, or you're taking your kite out in a lot more power. Um, you just need that structural stability throughout the canopy. Of course, the loads are really distributed quite well and as evenly as they can through the bridle lines. But there's also certain points that have higher pressures and often around the tips, um, which is the key turning element of a kite. Um, if these are just not as they should be, then you're going to lose performance and yeah, it's just not going to be ideal for your session. And like you say, I've often gone to launch people's kites 
Um, and I've just been like, hold on, like we need need to stop and just pump this up a little bit more because you're just going to ruin your session. Or if it's a duo tone kite, I don't want you know the guys to go out there and just think, oh, what's wrong with this kite? Like just not performing. You know, I'm I'm part of the design and I know how they should be working. So yeah, quite often random people on the beach are like calling them back to to help them pump their kite up they can't believe it but you just can't you just can't deal with them not having 100 percent working kit what about if it's another brand you just let them go out riding <laughs> well i mean if it's super flat i've just got to tell someone because it's just not ideal so yeah we recommend like that and then there's also the other side of it a lot of people think oh, i'll just pump it up super hard that's going to be even better and yeah, the kite will have more structural stability, but you kind of compromise on durability. Obviously, you're putting a lot of uh, pressure into the seams and they can, you know, even over time, visually start to widen out a little bit the the, the punch holes from the sewing. And obviously, if it's so hard and you slam the kite, there's just no give for, you know, the kite to... Um, yeah, it just has the tendency that it has the possibility to, ex- to explode. And of, of course, like the PSI is ridiculous that it has to go to before something will give. But, you know, when you have a very rigid and overinflated kite, if you do slam it, obviously those pressures do get quite high. And if there is a weak point, it will, it will go. So, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, you always want to get like that perfect balance but that's why we recommend it around yeah around seven a very unique part of kiteboarding that is the uh the leading edge slam which you hear from time to time out in the water i love hearing a good slam is that is that wrong of me to hit to look to like <laughs> that i don't know you hear a good slam and you always turn around and it's uh too late you hear it um and of course light travels a bit faster so you don't usually see it but um, just to get a bit more serious there, we do have the, the recommended PSIs printed on the front tube, Aaron. And what you're saying there is that it's important that our, our customers listen to that and, and adhere to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can't see um, why you would kind of change too much out of that because um, definitely anything softer, you're losing performance. And for us, we're like literally so precise on pumping up the kites that we test to that exact measurement to make sure that okay maybe it it could be higher pressure but at seven psi we're making sure that the kite is structurally stable um through various other ways um to make that compromise so that's the one it's also important to mention, you know, the key key thing here is that, you know, your warranty could be void and you you, you go into safety problems on the water if you're actually going to go out of your way to start pumping it to crazy PSIs. Now we're going to move on to the lines and how often how often should someone actually check their, their lines, Aaron? Yeah, checking lines is super important just for wear and tear. Like, I think when you... When I'm putting my lines out and ro- and making them uh, untangled, rolling them out, and running my hands through them as I, you know, detangle them, that's when you know I'm I'm kind of feeling for any strange knots or bumps or if if something's irregular in them. That's like you know, per session you can do it on a on a basic level just to to make sure there's nothing serious, no 
hasn't been snagged in the car or on a rock or something like that. That's uh, probably the, the most important thing. But I would definitely recommend, yeah, washing with fresh water, especially if you're going to be leaving uh, the bar for a while or not sure when your next session might be. And then definitely every so often you can kind of combine it with maybe testing the length of your lines that nothing's stretched or gone out of place with just having a good, you know, a good look up, go along slow uh, through the lines, just making sure have a really thorough look to see that there's no yeah nicks or tears or wear points that um, could be fraying or, or getting weaker. And yeah, I mean, I think it's also a lot of people asking like, oh, how is these, what are these lines doing or why is my kite pulling? Is it the kite or is it the line? So I often check in the lines when we're testing kites, we're on the beach before every session testing the lines to make sure um, the front and the rears are within a certain tolerance uh, of each other. What tolerance? What are we talking here? So basically when the kite comes from the factory and your bar is on full power, uh, fully sheeted in, so literally, yeah, one person holding the bar with the bar on full power, your lines should all be the same length. But once you once you go on the water and ride for maybe one session, we're looking at the rear lines shrinking a little bit and the front lines just, you know, keeping its tension and maybe stretching out slightly. So usually the rear lines are, yeah, slightly shorter. So we're looking at testing all the kites with the rear lines being yeah around two or three centimeters a bit shorter because we know that's going to be the perfect trim when someone beds their bar in and once they've been on the water for their first session basically so this is um it's a difficult one because we try to trim all the kites perfectly so that you just have that perfect bite point for the for the power as you sheet in and then yeah you cannot oversheet the kite and and stall them so yeah it's difficult so we're definitely looking at different things and how how uh, lines are are adapting with sessions um but yeah we find mainly that the rear lines kind of shrink actually over time because um you know dirt sand particles just get in them because they're not under as much tension as often and if it's flapping on the beach for instance things are getting in and obviously the fronts stay under quite high tension so they stay fairly similar to to what they've always been (laughs) not you know a little bit more so yeah it's it's uh kind of against what you think but it's nice you can always play with them a bit so if you have somebody who can hold the bar you can stretch lines back into place fairly easily especially um yeah before sessions and if there is just something that keeps going out of place more often for one reason or another or if just it is so far out there's pigtails what comes with the bars and you're able to like kind of adjust it and and kind of find that tuning so that's definitely something that i think is underrated and really needs um if you're having a bar for a long time something to check in regularly because you can keep your kite flying you know perfectly just by having the right tuning and often if your your bar is out or the lines are just too long you can find yeah maybe people think it's the kite that is uh the problem but it could be the bar 
it's especially um, important with things like kite loops where you're looking to get a lot of tension one way. You'll find if it's pulling one way, in fact, that lowers, makes it a bit more difficult to create that leverage on the bar to, to kite loop the kite. So I find, Aaron, from a lot of the coaching that I do, no, number one thing I can help people with their own equipment is to quickly um, get their line lengths back. Now, we've talked a little bit ab- about that and, and stretching the lines, and, and I think we should really paint a better picture for people how you might do that now the center lines are much easier to take a look at detach from the kite out on the grass somewhere it's better not down the beach where you're rushing to go kiteboarding Um, and i find on my own if i don't have anybody around i can just shove a big screwdriver through the chicken loop um and just so that the tension is is on the chicken loop the center lines i can walk back up and really see uh quite easily how they're they're off and we talk about stretching Aaron. this is as simple as actually just pulling hard on one line is, is it really that simple to stretch a line yeah uh, you want to put some tension into it so if you're checking it you can even you know wrap the, your leash around a post or something and give it a good bit of force and then also you know between your left and right hand maybe you're pulling a bit more so like often i switch the two lines around as well to get a better average you know view of of what one's doing what um and then in terms of like if you find one really far out you often yeah just have to kind of gauge how much you're going to pull it and and pull check again you'll often see that that one's maybe come out a little bit further now yeah and you kind of really have to kind of yeah go with each one to see if you can get them in line um and it's yeah it's a bit fiddly but like it's, it's just so much more worth it to have a have a straight functional kite on the water Totally. So you like to go for a leash wrapped around the the chicken loop or something so you can pull on the other side of the bar. I mentioned my screwdriver down through the grass and the chicken Mm -hmm. loop pulling on that one. I've seen all sorts of incredible things around the world in my time, Aaron, for how people look at the the outside steering lines. I've seen a bar strapped to the B pillar of a car with the door open, (laughs) actually (laughs) gaffer taped. I don't know how they worked out if that was straight but i've uh i'm interested to hear how you like to do the outside lines aaron but one way i like to do the outside lines is also with my screwdriver is just going through that small loop that's just above the leader line and putting both lines um under there what do you think about that strategy yeah also good and that's the other thing you know because if you just hold the bar and pull the back lines you'll never know if they're equal because yeah the bar can be off like just a little bit and you can't really tell so I actually get my leash and then I put the, at the bar, I put the two rear lines together at where the actual lines connect the bar. Yeah. And then yeah, I will yeah. put my leash and there's, it's small enough to just to hook through the, the two lines. And then you can just, yeah, put that onto something solid, like a, a post or so. And then you know that your two lines are exact at the back as well and you can play with them. So yeah, that's it. That's, um, couple of ways of doing it if you've got a friend i mean for me and ralph when we're on the beach just checking everything quickly literally we have a system it takes us you know a minute basically to just run down grab the bar check the fronts check the fronts versus the rears and then yeah just put the two together uh realize together on one side and then have it checked at the other side so if you're with another person and you know the system you can do it very quickly so that's just holding above the leader line there, the, the the knots of the outside lines right on top of each other carefully, giving yeah. your mate a thumbs up and saying, look, quickly pull on those and 
make sure that's okay. I was a bit nervous telling you about my strategy there, but it's nice to hear that that I must be doing it right because we're using the same reference. I must ask you, have you ever had the leader lines be out? I know they're a big, thicker line. You would never expect them to be out, but do you ever sometimes end up going all the way down to that final solution that they could maybe be out if the lines are correct? Yeah, it's very rare. Um, um, But if everything seems right and... Yeah, you're struggling. It is a point to to check as well. It's very quite difficult. I think you're coming into needing a tape measure there to really check that that's right. On the trust bar, there is some adjustment there, which is quite nice. Um, on the click bar, it would be a little bit more difficult. But like I say, that's very, they're just too thick. There's just not enough length in them to really change past a few, a millimeter or so, I would say. So, yeah, it would have to be something serious that had happened for for them to really go out of place. So it's not really a a point which um, should be worried about. Be a good prank that, wouldn't it? Putting someone's out a couple of centimeters and they'd keep on remeasuring <laughs> their lines again and again and again, but um, they'd never really get there. But you you also mentioned there, Aaron, about how how much tuning is available in the trust bar, and it's something I've always loved where you can pop that. Out this, I wouldn't recommend you try and line your you know your lines up by changing the knots, but just as far as if your lines have stretched, being able to power up that bit more is incredible. So you know, making the bar a different width is helpful there too. Something we didn't speak of too much there, and it's about how lines can actually shrink. And I'm sitting um, actually in my van here now, recording nice and quietly. And I'm just thinking how hot it is in here. I stuffed the bar in here yesterday, didn't I? And left it overnight, wet, um, rinsed with fresh water, of course, down the beach in the tap. But um, that's no good, right? I can't be leaving it in a boiling car. No, I mean, it's not ideal. Um, maybe for the bar, it's one of uh, yeah, the least susceptible for that. Probably like boards with their constructions um, is something that's not ideal in a hot car for sure. Um, but for the lines, it's a bit of, it's mainly the wear, the beach um, when it's exposed and when they're unwound actually, that is, is really causing problems. Um, and then obviously salt and corrosion in other parts of the bar, not just the lines. So rinsing the, the chicken loop and the release system is obviously quietly important if that's full of sand or just left for a long time like collecting or with salt water and causing corrosion there that's that's definitely not ideal um so any wear points are like the best bits to check really and that's um yeah that's obviously a huge uh safety feature there which you need to have it perfect at all times um in terms of the actual lines like i said before it's more when they're exposed so just being um flapping around on the beach or yeah just being left in the sand for a long time um and just yeah repetitive use without um without maintenance they just will kind of just get worse and worse over time so if you can yeah exactly minimize the amount of uh flapping on the beach and rinse your bar and stretch them out and um, and keep it clean. That's just going to really improve the how long you'll be able to have that that bar for in general. I've got a friend that knows a friend that ditched his kite in Hermanus, and the bar and lines went all in the trees. Should he still be using that bar? 
So you definitely need to check it because, um, <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing is just, you know, it can happen so randomly, you know, even if you're just grabbing it out of the car quick and it like snags on something or something else is in the car or, yeah, if you're launching and it just like you're in a some, um, or not even launching or just like putting your lines out and there's some rocks around or something like that where it's just sharp, like you can just so easily fray. Um, if you crash with someone else, it's also a major um, incident there because the amount of tension these lines are under when they cross against another Dyneema line, it's kind of the battle of the strongest line there. And even if it doesn't break, it could definitely be a, a weak point. So that's like the time when, like for me personally, it's never worth, I mean, I'm very fortunate to be able to replace these out, but doing the big air and big events, if I'm ever in a slight contact with another kiter that I have to just replace the lines or at least the line that is damaged there because I just don't want to risk that. Good riddance. Um, and I would say like that's definitely something to check if you're ever in a collision, even if you want to go kite in and you're, you're, it seems fine straight away, just like come in and check that there's no um no fraying or any it could be just on its last fibers you know and ready to go which is uh super dangerous all right six minutes left so just maybe a minute on each of these very few questions left all right so aaron aaron i'm always curious especially because i like to sometimes put the gopro in the line mount it looks a lot better when i take the v distributor off but what happens to my duotone kite if i take out the v distributor yeah, I don't recommend that at all, really, because the kites are designed in a way um, that the bridle geometry is set to the standard V. So the V distributor can be changed because different kites might be um, designed uh, at different points in different years. So it's a more of a backwards compatible thing. Um, but we design all the kites on the standard setting. And obviously the front lines go at a certain angle to the kite and the bridles on the kite are designed around that so it they're the characteristics the kite should be if you take the v out and um the kite characteristics change to a way that you like then it's okay but it's not how it's designed to be why is it important a fifth line has exactly the right length so we talked a little bit previously about how the lines that are less under less tension uh, shrink quite significantly and that could be really important on the fifth line the fifth line is uh, attached to the center of the leading edge so it can really pivot the kite forward into the wind and really depower it um and like i say yeah just it can shrink quite dramatically over time uh and then you just lose so much performance in the kite so making sure that length is perfect and not Overtensioned is really is quite crucial. Aaron, it's been wonderful to have this very insightful chat with you today, talking about tech rumors. But are there any rumors coming to your mind that you've always wanted to clarify with setup? I think we cover most of it, to be honest. There's always, you know, the the, the key ones that we've been through here, um, and in terms of the kites, I think it's quite clear how we um how we set the kites at duotone to be you know plug and play out the bag to the best possible way um and to the most performance so 
if you can kind of stay on top of that with maintenance and and the tuning definitely try and, and stick to that if you enjoy the kite but if you're a more experienced rider i think you definitely have your preferences and your ideas to change a kite um but yeah it's definitely worth um playing with it if you have that experience but generalize generally i would say just kind of stick to what we uh kind of try to design and put the kite out there as that was tech talk with aaron hadlow rumors in gear tuning i'm lewis crathen thanks for joining us aaron thank you see you next time